0: up everybody. I know it's been a while since I've done one of these. Um, Got kind of busy with the business and hiring people and um, a couple other things I've gotten started, but I did write a book in my free time. It's called No 9 to 5 for Us. Um, It's on Amazon. It's like 2 or $3. Um, But the reason I'm back on here is I'm going to record basically the audiobook version of it and put every chapter on this podcast. Um, So if you want to watch it for free, they're all going to be on here. Um, Basically, it takes you through everything start to finish on how I grew, started my business and grew it to over six figures within the first year, Um, kind of by accident, but I broke it down in here as if I were going to do it again. Um, So this is very purposely written in order. Um, You know, it starts with finding something to sell, getting your first customers, how to scale up the marketing on different channels, um, testing ads, hiring employees, um, doing the math for growth, um, and then ultimately getting to a place where, you know, you don't have to work in the business, you're working on the business. Um, which is where I am now. Um, but yeah, uh, let's get started. Chapter one. All right, so this is basically just the why of um, uh, why get started on entrepreneurship. Um, so I'm just gonna read it, but uh, ever since I was a kid, I always knew that I wanted to own my own business and not work a typical nine to five. My dad's been an entrepreneur for the past 12 years of my life, including some key developmental years of my life. He's always been my biggest role model, so I guess naturally I always wanted to do what he does. As I got older though, I started learning more and more about business and entrepreneurship and I really just fell in love with that idea. There are a couple reasons that really solidified it in my head and they may open up the world of entrepreneurship to you as well. The first thing that I learned was about the potential to earn large sums of money. When you work a normal job, you get paid a salary and your earnings are capped off at how much you can make no matter how well you do. If you own your own business and you perform really well, your revenue will reflect that and you should make more. Your earnings are capped at a 9 to 5 and are infinite as a business owner. My dad also helped me to notice that all of his quote unquote rich friends own their own businesses. And don't get me wrong, you can definitely get rich working a normal job if it's very high paying or if you work there for a really long time, but the owner of the business is almost always making the most money in the company. Um, Money is awesome and having a lot of it is definitely in my future plans, but there are other factors in my love of entrepreneurship as well. The next thing, and arguably this has become the number one factor since I graduated from college, is freedom. All of my friends that graduated and got jobs are at their desks from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and they're constantly texting and Snapchatting me, basically doing nothing throughout the day. They can't leave, but they aren't very productive, and they're definitely not doing anything they love. I wake up at around 8, 9, 30, do most of my important tasks, write chapters like this, drink a coffee, a glass of water, answer emails and texts from clients. And get at least three to four things on my to-do list done. Sometimes I'm done with work around noon, sometimes I work into the evening, but my point is my schedule is very flexible, allows me to go to the gym, hang out with my girlfriend, go on trips, and really do whatever I'd like, whenever I'd like. And this is awesome. I really took it for granted until I saw what my friends were experiencing Monday through Friday. The last big factor is the level of fun you can have. Imagine these two different scenarios. And just for the record, these are just totally made up and aren't necessarily what I would like to do or, or what you would like to do, but just as an example. In scenario one, you go into work at a roofing supply company. You get there around eight and you start calling customers to see if they need to order more, if they're happy with their order. You do this for a few hours, then you have a meeting where you talk about your company's new suppliers of roofing materials. You go to lunch, afterward you jump on your computer to tweak some things in your client database. You hop on the phone for a few more hours, and then you drive home at five. This is an example of a busy day, because I guarantee at some point you have an hour or two of social media time, lunch, and whatever. But if you aren't passionate about roofing materials, this day isn't going to be that exciting for you. Now compare scenario one with scenario two. Scenario two, you wake up around seven, 7.30, you drive into your office, where you sell auto detailing services. Again, that's just what I sell, and I get into it a little later, but I'm not necessarily that passionate about it. You've also detailed your own cars, and you're very much a quote unquote car guy which I'm not. So you love helping your customers get their vehicles looking brand new again. You greet your receptionist, who you know very well because you hired her, and y'all talk for a few minutes about the past weekend. You see your technicians on their way out and say hey to all of them, who you also know well because, again, you hired them. You hop on the phone to talk to a few clients who are ecstatic about the job that you guys did on a brand new car, and it charges you up, for the inter- charges you up with energy for the whole day. You do work for a while, but around lunch you've done all of your duties and your company runs without you, So you go grab some lunch with your girlfriend, you hit the gym to work out, and then you head home in the afternoon. You have three to five hours of time to work on hobbies, run errands, work on the big picture growth of the company, or really do anything because you've accomplished everything crucial for that day. Now, which one of these scenarios sounds more fun? To me, Scenario 2 always sounded more fun, and Scenario 1 always made me think life was going to suck. So naturally I gravitated towards Scenario 2, and that is very close to the point I'm at today. For the record, I'm not even necessarily passionate about auto detailing. I know a lot of detailers who actually love the grind of detailing and making a car look brand new. That is not me. I got into the business to make money, and it ended up turning into my career. What I'm passionate about is building a business. This is what drives me and keeps me motivated every day. So when I was detailing for the first year of my company existing, I was thinking about the overall growth and scaling the whole time. I say this to say that you don't have necessary You don't have to necessarily be passionate about your industry to be successful, but you need to be passionate about your business and your brand. There are many reasons why entrepreneurship may be for you. If it is something you think you are called to do, then this book is going to give the exact step-by-step structure of how I went from $0 working at Domino's Pizza to running a $100,000 plus revenue business in one year while I was a senior in college and playing college basketball. Chapter 2, and this is where we really get into the start of it, this is finding something to sell. So the first step after you've decided that this journey is what you want to do, there are a lot of things you could potentially sell, but for this first business I recommend that you sell a service. The first reason why a service business is a better idea to start as your first business is because of the low startup cost. I have a list of service businesses that you can start for under $500 and you can learn all of them through YouTube videos. I'll give you the exact strategy to learn them later. The other reason why a service business is so cheap is because you are mostly trading your time for money and at this point in your life your time isn't that valuable with this business we will slowly raise what your time is worth until you're making more money than you've ever made before the main alternative to starting a service business that everyone knows about is selling physical products with this strategy you have to sink a lot of money into inventory in the hopes that you can sell it all and make some money with your service business You can invest much less money in some cheap equipment until you've made some money. Then you can use that profit to reinvest, reinvest rather, in better equipment and then raise your prices accordingly. I prefer this slow snowball growth because it's less of a risk and you're making profit much quicker. The next reason we're going to choose a service business is because of its scalability. As you grow, you will eventually have enough money and experience to train an employee to do the actual services of the business. You'll trade a percentage of your profit but it's the only way to get out of the job you made for yourself and become a business owner. If you're out in the field every day, then you can't be thinking about the big picture growth of your company. And and even if you can, you won't have time to act on any of your ideas. Hiring your first employee is a big step and afterwards you truly start to understand the major, (laughs) you truly start to understand the major positives of entrepreneurship and the life you're choosing. This outsourcing of the service work is just the beginning too. After you stop working in the field, your role is going to morph into something different between marketer, accountant, and manager, among many other things. You can decide what you like to do and what you don't like, and you can outsource your undesired jobs to freelancers through Fiverr, Upwork, or a bunch of other online marketplaces. This outsourcing can be done with a product business too, but with a service business you can outsource as slow as you want, which can make it super affordable. Here's a list of service businesses that you can start for under $500 mobile auto detailing, power washing, exterior interior painting, lawn care services, traveling hairstylist, pet sitting, personal trainer, graphic designer, window washing, cleaning service, photographer, social media manager, SEO strategist, email marketing manager, podcast producer, videographer, event coordinating, DJ services, valet parking service, traveling music teacher, tutoring, pet grooming service, handyman service, pool service and maintenance, TV installation, website developer copywriter, and these are just an arbitrary list, there's tons more. The best thing about all these potential businesses is that they are cheap to start. The second best thing about them is that they are free to learn. When you're researching what business you want to start, the first thing you wanna do is go to YouTube and watch at least five hours of videos all about that kind of business. For example, how-to videos, day in the life videos, secret of the industry videos, and really any YouTube videos that you can find about a particular type of business or industry. After 5 hours, you'll have a general feel of what it will take to run that type of business. This initial process will help you weed out the businesses you may be on the fence about. This researching phase should be fun and exciting because one of these businesses is going to start making you money. Next, narrow down your choices down, narrow your choices down even further to two or maybe three potential businesses. You're going to start meticulously researching how to do every skill needed in the business. This will probably take another 5 to 10 hours of YouTube videos. You'll probably relearn the same things in some videos, but that's fine. Repetition only helps. After this phase, we start the fun part, so don't rush through it. Take some notes on the steps it takes to complete a job so you have a guide to work from when you start. Chapter 3, Getting Your First Customers. After you have your plan for what business you're going to start, you'll need a marketing message. Why are people going to use you over someone else? At the start, you can use your story as your marketing message. For example, I used college kid trying to make some money for myself. This is the message that I used when I first started because you aren't going to be the top of the line option, and your results will probably be average at best. This is going to correlate with your prices because you'll also be the cheapest option in the marketplace, so they're getting what they paid for. Most of your first customers will be using you just to support a young, hardworking kid. Your marketing message will change as your results and prices rise, so you'll be tweaking this down the line. When it comes to your pricing, serv- when it comes to pricing your service. You can start with looking around at other more established businesses in your industry. That will give you an idea of how high the prices can get, but you're going to slash those prices and undercut them by a good margin. I can't really tell you exactly what to price your service because of the variability in each industry, but do what feels right to start. And if you don't get any jobs, then you can always go back to the drawing board, lower them, and try again. The price of your service should still excite you, and you could still be making more money than you ever know or that you ever have, that's definitely what was happening with me when I first started. But if you start thinking that this venture isn't worth it because of how much you're making, just keep in mind that your prices are going to go up as soon as you have some happy customers, upgraded equipment, and perfected results. Chapter 4.1, plugging into Google's free marketing machine. This section is going to be all about the most powerful free marketing tool out there. I actually didn't start using this strategy until later in my business, but I could have gone much faster and saved a lot of money if I had known to start it sooner. There are a lot of steps to this and I could really write a whole book on just this one strategy. This strategy is implementing a Google My Business listing network that covers your entire service area and establishes you as the big fish in the pond. The best part about this is that it's free. Step one, make your first Google My Business listing. They're called Google, Prof- Google Business Profiles now. If you Google... Google Business Profile, you'll find the Google Business Profile Manager. The first thing you're gonna do is make your first business listing. I'm gonna walk you through the steps of making your first account as of April 25th, 2022. Click on add business and then add single business. It asks you to type in your business name. We'll go over optimizing this section uh, in the next section. So just put in the name of your business as you as you think you know what your business is called. Type in your business name and pick your industry category. It asks, do you want to add a location? Customers can visit, click yes, enter your business address, this must be an address that you can have access to in the future, no P.O. boxes are allowed. After the address, it asks, do you provide deliveries or home and office visits, click yes. On the next page, enter the areas that your business services, these can be cities or suburbs within your service area. Enter your business phone number and website, these can be changed later, but they're normally used to verify the account, so put in a real phone number. Add your specific services add your business hours. I'd recommend being open Monday through Sunday. So you keep getting booking calls all through the weekend. It asks if you'd like to accept messages, click yes. It asks if you'd like to turn on call history, click yes. Enter a business description. Customers will be able to see this on your page. We'll optimize this later. Add some photos of your business. We'll optimize those later. It asks if you'd like to start running ads, just click skip. This should be the end of setting up your first account. We'll go over how to optimize each part of your account in the upcoming sections. The goal is to get this listing ranking in the top three on Google for your target keyword. If you can get your listings to rank in the top three, you'll get an influx of business for free. Again, I'll break this down further in the next sections. Chapter 4.2 Planning a network of accounts. The next step to your Google My Business is to plan a network of locations around your target service area. Rather than having one Google My Business listing for your entire city, you're going to have about four to five all spread out around the city so that when a potential customer Google's, for example, for me, car detailing, my city. You have a listing that is geographically close to them, and it ranks higher in the search results. A typical, a typical Google My Business without optimizing, which is how most businesses running their GMBs will get around five to six thousand views per month in my industry. So imagine you have a network of eight listings or four or five, all getting eight to ten thousand views because they're optimized and as relevant as possible. That's sixty-four thousand monthly views rather than just five or six. And this is absolutely free. It's like a cheat code for getting customers for your service business. Each Google My Business listing requires a unique physical address and phone number. I put this step before the optimization section to give you the opportunity to start thinking about how you're going to get access to different addresses. You can use friends, family, other business owners that you know, and you'll start to see traction after your first three to five listings get up and running, but you'll want to aim for a little higher than that. I recommend five. I don't know why I wrote seven to ten. Five listings is all you need. Another strategy I've used for getting addresses is to use co-working spaces. If you look up co-working spaces in your area and go to their websites, a lot of them offer virtual offices. This basically just means you get access to a mailbox, which is all you need. And there's a monthly fee. Some places have a 12-month contract, and others you can cancel any time. Either way, I'd call around and get some rates. Don't accept any deals yet. After you have a list of the rates, go ahead and use the address of the co-working spaces that are the cheapest or have a cancellation policy. When you make a listing, there are a few different ways that you can verify your account, phone call, text, verification video, or a postcard mailed to the business address. In most cases, you won't have to get anything mailed to the address, so there's no need to pay for it. But if in the future they require you to verify, then at least you know the price to expect and you can pay for the month, re-verify the account, and keep it moving. No need to pay for the co-working space before you actually need it. I would make a list of three to five addresses to start. You can always be adding more as you go on, but you can only work on one to two accounts at a time anyway, so it shouldn't slow you down that much. 4.3 Optimizing a GMB Listing When it comes to optimizing a GMB listing, the overarching rule is to get the best results is to use every feature that Google gives you. They spend millions and millions of dollars adding features and systems to their products. So when they release a new feature, they reward the accounts that take advantage and implement them. I'll take you through the steps of optimizing a listing now, and it might sound a little complicated, but you can email me at bruce at no 9 to 5 for us.com if you have any questions and we can hop on a call and I can help you through it. If you want to dive deeper into Google My Business and how it works, go to YouTube and dive in. There's unlimited knowledge out there, and the more you can soak up, the better. Another important thing to remember when you're making multiple listings is to let them age before adding a ton of information. If you make five GMB listings and they're all perfectly optimized in a day, Google's algorithm is gonna flag those accounts as suspicious. For your first listing, it shouldn't matter how fast you optimize, but as general guidelines, I've added a timetable to the steps below to ensure that your listing doesn't get flagged. Here's the steps. Number one, create the listing, add the address, phone number, hours of operation, and add a few services that you offer. While you're waiting, geotech 50 to 100 pictures, uh, including your logo and cover picture, wait five to seven days after you create the listing. Add your keyword to your business name. So for me, we do car detailing. My business is called Bright Mobile Detailing. So ours is called Bright Car Detailing Birmingham because car detailing and Birmingham are the two keywords we're going after, car detailing and then the city that we're working in, uh, after waiting five to seven days, go in and add that keyword in there. So if you're like a power washer, it should be, a, you know, James's power washing Birmingham like that for that as an example, add another service category to your services option, add descriptions to each service that you offer. This is time consuming and can't be copied or Google will flag you. That's where you go through all your services and add little descriptions with keywords in them, add your service areas. So you can add five to seven neighborhoods that you service on your listing add some special hours that you don't work like Christmas and Thanksgiving, turn your call history on, turn the messages on, add an appointment link, add three to five products, add a bio about your business, add some keywords in there, and then wait five days, at least five days. After you wait that five days, you can start getting reviews and posting on GMB. Google My Business actually has a posting feature. You post a picture and a little caption about it. You're gonna geotag those pictures as well. Um, But wait five days before you get before you start getting reviews or posting on them. Um, Google My Business rewards accounts for uploading pictures and posting on their platform frequently. They reward your listing even more if the pictures are super relevant to the search criteria. So in order to make Google as happy as possible, we're going to geotag every picture that we use on our listing. To do this, you go to www.geoimager. That's geoimgr. Com, and it's like ten dollars a month. You only need it for like one or two months. You go in there, pay the ten dollars, upload your photos, enter your address of your Google My business listing to the, on the left side of the page, and then go through where it says keywords and alt tags and just I would just copy and paste your keyword, which is basically just your business name. So mine is Car detailing Birmingham. just go in there and paste that all to, to every picture. They'll be the same keyword that you put in the GMB listing name. Lastly, you download the pictures and they'll be a geotag with that location, address and your business keywords. To find out what your keywords should be, go to Google Keyword Planner and enter some keywords that people would search to find a business like yours. Google will show you the search results of those keywords and will also suggest some different keywords. I'd play around with different keywords and arrangements of the words until you find the two to five with the most traffic. Then I'd optimize for the best keyword and sprinkle in the others around your listing. You can also go to other businesses in your area, see what keywords they're using, and then just use those. Just reverse engineer it. There's no reason to reinvent the wheel. Chapter 4.4, Reviews and Posting. Once you have your Google Business listing set up and optimized, there's a little bit of upkeep to take care of, but nothing that you have to focus too much time on. Uploading some new geotech pictures, answering messages that come in, the biggest ongoing parts of a great GMB listing is the posting and review strategies. When it comes to reviews, you must have a strategy for getting review from each and every happy customer, whether it's an automated text or a note that you leave behind, or better yet, both. You must have a strategy for making it happen because Google rewards listings that have favorable reviews. An account that has 100 reviews is going to get more traction than an account with 50, and so on. This is a slow buildup over time, but putting a major focus on getting a review from every happy, happy customer will help expedite this process. There's also a strategy that can help out at the beginning of a listing's life that is called Kickstart Reviews. Basically, they're fake reviews from family, friends, or bots that help give you the the account traction and they disappear after a few months, Uh, the bots will, the family and friends won't, when you replace them with real reviews from actual customers. This part of the strategy is more about making the listing useful faster than trying to pull one over on Google or your potential customers. If you don't have a good service, it will get out whether you pay for some reviews at the beginning or not. And really, those reviews are gonna go away. It's just so you don't have to wait to get the traction. Um, You can wait and you can slow build the, the reviews up. And I, I have another uh, marketing tactic in here that we can use that I use at the very beginning, even before Google, but it involves a little bit more money. It's not absolutely free, but it's like 50 bucks. But you can use that while you're getting reviews if you don't want to pay for fake reviews. The next part of the ongoing GMB strategy is making consistent and optimized posts on the GMB platform. Most companies don't even know that Google My Business has a posting option. Because of this lack of awareness, you can use the posting strategy to propel your listing above theirs very quickly. There's a correct way and a mediocre way to go about posting, though. First, you want to go and geotag all the pictures you plan on posting. I would plan on posting three times per week. To be safe, I geotag close to 150 pictures for the year and put them into folders organized by each GMB listing. Then, add some graphics of some kind to the picture with some keywords on there. I have an example of one of my posts in the book. Um, You're not going to be able to see it, but it's a picture that I've geotagged, a little one paragraph caption with some keywords in there, a link to the post, the previous post from before this post, and then our website, and then a call now button. Then you're ready to make a post. In the description for the post, make it a few sentences, throw in some keywords that you're targeting. No need to go overboard with the keywords, but make sure you have three to five-ish in there. Also, you want to link to the most previous posts, obviously your first post won't have a previous post to link to, and to your map listing in the description. This listing gives your post more relevancy to your page and strengthens the algorithm. You can see all those elements of a great GMP post in my example, which obviously you can't see. but. I went through them right there. Chapter 4.5, rules for making the Google business profile accounts. When you start to implement this strategy and make your Google listings, there are a few things that you need to take into account to not upset Google and its algorithm. These are just rules of thumb, but they haven't let me down yet. One, wait one day in between making new Google listings. Two, after you make a Google listing, wait five to seven days before you fill out all of your business info and start optimizing. Three, after you optimize your account, wait two to three days before starting to post or get reviews. Four, only add 10 pictures geotagged at a time until you hit 100 plus pictures. These are just some guidelines to keep you from getting flagged by Google. If your account does get flagged or suspended, it's no problem. Just ask Google to review it, or you can just remove that listing and make a new one. There's also services that will go backdoor and unlock your account if neither of those work and you have, say, 50 to 100 reviews on the page and you don't want to just scrap it. There are services you can get to unblock it. Chapter 4.6, Outsourcing the Management. This may seem like an overwhelming, overwhelming amount of work to start on at first, but trust me, with time, you will get more comfortable with Google My Business with every listing you make. Just start with one listing and optimize that one for everything I mentioned above. I, make, I would make a Google Doc to keep track of what needs to be done and what is already in process, in progress, rather. Now, there are a lot of other parts to running a business, including other marketing channels, dealing with customers, and eventually dealing with employees. If you think that it may be worth it to outsource this tedious process of optimizing your Google listings, then you're in luck. I can actually help you. I have a guy that does it um, for me, and we, I have a team that does it. If you're, if you're interested, I'm sure I'll reach out to me, bruce at no9to5forus.com. Um, email me, we'll get in touch and we can take care of it. It's, it's a cheap option and it's free, it's free marketing, right? So even, I think I'm paying like 150 bucks, um, for all my listings a month and that's nothing. So just reach out to my email and we can talk about outsourcing this. Um, if you're still, if you're just getting started though, you can handle it. It's not that much work once you really just sit down and do it.